Good morning, and thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross, a radio broadcast that is part of Christ Covenant Church here in McAllen, Texas. I'm Dr. Alfred Fisher, and I am so blessed to have you tune in and share this time this morning. We know that we don't, we never get given back to us, and so for you to commit and spend this time with us is precious, and it is a gift, and we thank you for it. This morning, uh, I'd like to open with prayer, and then we will begin our lesson. Our most gracious and eternal Father in heaven. Father, we come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts. We come to you, O oh God, through the grace you have imparted to us, with the mercy bestowed upon us that we do not merit. We thank you, Father, that we come to you in the name of your only begotten Son, Jesus the Christ, our Messiah, our Redeemer. We thank you that you have crowned him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you, Lord, that we can call upon his name and be saved. We thank you for the provisions you have given us. We thank you for sustaining us in this time. Lord, I ask you to please bless this time and bless those who hear this word encourage them and keep them lord may we grow into a deeper understanding of who you are that we can extol your virtues and your glory lord bless this word this morning keep us this day in jesus name amen as a reminder you can tune in to us uh, for a live stream at 11 o'clock on sunday mornings and you can see extensions of this message in much more detail than what we have time to go into uh, in this radio segment. And so that is at ChristCovenantMcAllen.org on Facebook. We're at Christ Covenant McAllen. You can find us there on YouTube if you type in Christ Covenant McAllen. And you can see all of our sermons that we have up there and be a part. You can donate and support this ministry through um, Facebook. We have a, a link to our online giving. You can go to our website and do the same. But the whole purpose of this is not for us to have to receive your support, but to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. And today we are continuing in our rather lengthy series on the session of Christ. And we have gone over the things that Christ has expected of us before his ascension. And we've started touching on him being seated at the right hand. And so I want to give you a brief summary of that point before we start to go into the things of what it means and what he is doing while he is seated at the right hand of the Father. So if you'll bear with me um, as we go through this brief summary, I think you will find it uh, educational. I hope, anyways. So the phrase, at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, well, it tells us something about the attitude of the Father towards Jesus. In the ancient world, in the time before even Christ walked the earth, uh, even after that, uh, it was to be placed at the right hand of someone was to be given a place of honor or preference. That's something we don't think a lot of today. But it's true. Even today, we put someone at our right hand when you're at a formal gathering, and that person is at a place of honor with the host. 
Well, at the crucifixion, it looked like the father had abandoned or deserted his son. And Jesus, how do we say that? He says, well, Jesus cries out and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, since he was accused of blasphemy against God, this was a normal presumption. But when he is seated at the right hand of God, it tells us that something that we have a tendency to do, misread the evidence. In our culture today, we often jump to conclusions. When we jump to conclusions, we've misread circumstances. How many of you have misjudged somebody or something by jumping to a conclusion? Well, when he is seated at the right hand of God, we know that the thing about God forsaking him was us misreading the evidence. The one who was vilified has now been vindicated. You see, that's just like us. We've been vilified because of our sin. We were separated from God because of our fallen sin nature. But by the grace of God, through salvation, we have been vindicated. Jesus has become God's right-hand man. Remember a story, if you will. It, was, it took place at a moment of Jesus' baptism. 30 years. For 30 years, Jesus had lived pretty much in obscurity. We don't know much from the time he was born to the running to Egypt. And that time period up until this point, 30 years had pretty much elapsed. We didn't know a whole lot about him. But at the moment of his baptisms, baptism, the heavens open. And God speaks. Remember, everyone was going to John the Baptist. And Jesus goes to be baptized. And John says something profound. He says, of whom I am not worthy to unloose the latchets of his sandals. But the heavens open now. And they say this, that remember, the Holy Spirit descends as if a dove and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, a few months later, Jesus approaches Jerusalem after his time of ministry in the towns and the villages of Palestine. He and three of his followers go up a mountain to spend time in prayer. And I'm paraphrasing a lot here for sake of time and for a summary, as he's pray, praying, suddenly the whole scene is transfigured. We call this point the, the Mount of Transfiguration. And the glory of those moments, the voice of God is heard for a second time. And he says this, This is my beloved Son, in whom... I am well pleased. Hear ye him. But now, after this point, we get to the point of an, uh, the ascension, where he is now seated at the right hand of his own father. It is then, it is then that he receives the overwhelming word of approval. When he is seated at the right hand, is a recognition of that power and that honor. The Father has recognized him. 
So what does it mean? There's a question that should come to mind, and that's going to lead us into the next portion of our series here. A question that, if you are thinking, should be profound and coming into your thought. It says, so Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But why? Why is he seated? Why that posture? Well, we're going to get into the first point today. The first point as to why he is seated. His work is finished. The fulfillment of the law, the need for the sacrifice is finished. The separation from the holy place to the holy of holies is finished. The remission of sins is finished. The work needed in the earthly ministry is finished. The teaching of the disciples of what it is that they should do, what their role is in the kingdom of God, that instruction was finished. Well, my friends, that's what we've been covering, what it is that we are to do. And so now we see the finished work, allowing him, causing him to be seated. Of all the furniture that was in the tabernacle, the one place that was the one item was a chair. You had a table, you had lamps, you had the work needed to do sacrifice. No chair. But now Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father on the throne. So this indicated, this action, this posture, it indicates being at rest. Remember, God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day He rested. Well, was it because God was tired? No. It's because He had completed His part of the work of creation. And Jesus, having been seated, declares that He is finished with the task that God had given Him to do. So now all that needs to be done to bring about the world's salvation has been completed. Nothing more needs to be done. Now, you find this written in the book of Hebrews. Let, let's go here. In Hebrews chapter 1, and we covered this in one of our messages, so if you want to go back a few messages, you'll find this, but specifically in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things by the word of His power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Think about that for a moment. I just told you that the work was completed. What was the work that was listed here in this verse? Let me read this again to you. Let, let, me, let me shine some light upon this. It says, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power. And there's one thing, upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins. 
So there had to be a work done for the purging of our sins. What was that work? That was the completion of the sacrifice of one who was not tarnished or blemished, but was pure and righteous and holy. That which Jesus Christ Himself is. The one true living Son of God. The only begotten of the Father. Now that verse also expresses His deity. All things by the word of His power. My friends, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ spoke creation into existence. Spoke creation into existence. The Word. Oh, my friends. Let us realize the deity and the glory of Jesus the Christ and who it is that He is. Now, in taking that, that verse, notice it doesn't say that He walked around after that. It doesn't say that he was going around looking at his work. It doesn't say that he was looking for the accolades. It doesn't say that he was questioning himself. No, it says that after he had purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He knew that the task was completed. He did the will of the Father. Now, my friends, how does that apply to us? We are not going to be seated at the right hand of God the Father. That is not our place. Our place is to bow down and worship our King, to give glory, honor, and laud, to be obedient to the tasks that He called us to do. Remember getting dirty in the fields, so to speak, Working, loving your neighbor, displaying Christianity, a genuine love and service to those around you in the name of Jesus Christ, seeking your own glory, but to give the glory to the one who has redeemed your soul. My friends, how many of you know somebody who is sick, poor, or hungry? How many of you know someone in need of assistance? How many of you know of someone who's hurting? How many of you know of someone who's maybe had a friend die or a family member die? Or maybe they don't have the money to pay their bills. Or maybe they've gone through a divorce or a breakup. Maybe they're struggling with sin. Well, my friends, this is a display of Christianity. Not those sins, not those struggles, but how you respond to those struggles. How you react to the needs, to meet those needs. You see, when Christ did the task that was set before Him, and purging our sin, he sat down at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because that is a place that he was bid. Now, let's further back up this point. Turn with me, if you have your Bibles, to Hebrews chapter 10, and let's look at verse 12. 
Some of these verses are, should sound familiar to you because we went over them in our previous messages. But in verse 12, let's see what it says. But this man, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Now, let me do you a favor here, and let's go and read a few verses around this, because this is important. I want to give you some context in this. Let's, let's see what the scripture says. Let's go to starting in verse 1, and let's, let's have some fun here. This is going to show you that the sacrifice of the law is insufficient. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, what are those good things? That of the grace we have received, the fulfillment of the law, and not the very image of the things can ever, with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually, make the comers thereunto perfect. This is important for us to recognize the finished work of Jesus Christ. This one verse right there tells us something. It tells us that the law required that we continually offer a sacrifice. Well, why would we do that? Because it was insufficient to cleanse us from our sin. We were in a perpetual state of the sin. We had to continually offer to be in obedience. But now, listen to what it says further. For then would they not have ceased to be offered? Well, that's true. If, if, if our own work, if our own choosing of which animal to be sacrificed would have been sufficient, wouldn't it have been good enough to do it one time? No. But, but if they had once and for all, we wouldn't have needed Christ. But the sacrificial system required that we as individuals would continually offer out of obedience and recognition of our own depravity and our own fallen nature, a sacrifice unto God. And yet, and yet, God said, I will send the perfect lamb. And he did. Listen to the rest of verse 2. For then, would they not have ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more consequence of sin. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sin every year. And here the, the writer is speaking of an atonement day, a spiritual cleansing, a guilty conscience. And he's laying out the sacrifices and their insufficiency. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body that hast prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. This is saying that the burnt offerings and the sacrifices for sin didn't please God because the sin still existed. That's why the continual day of atonement was necessary. These things did not please him because his creation was still spotted. 
Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offering for sin, thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. So what is going on here? The old sacrificial system is abolished. And then he says, listen to this. Then said he, who's that? Christ. Then said he, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which we will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering, oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. My friends, understand something. Without the grace of Jesus Christ, your work, your own choosing, your own sacrifices, your own obedience is not enough. You are not able in and of yourselves to redeem your soul. It is only by the shed blood of the perfect sacrifice, that of Jesus the Christ, where we can be forgiven. Where we can be purged from our sins. Where we as individuals are able to be set apart. To be washed. To be cleansed. To become a new creation. Now listen, it says, And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering, oftentimes the same sacrifice, which can never take away sins. But now, look at what the Bible says here. It says, But this man, but this man, who? That of Jesus the Christ. The finished work. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. The finished work, the exaltation of Jesus the Christ. From henceforth, <coughs> notice, doesn't say he's going to get up again. Not anytime soon. Look at what it says. Look, listen, listen to this. From henceforth, expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Well, what is the sanctified? Those of us who have professed our faith, our trust, our belief in Jesus the Christ. We are the ones who are set aside in that finished work. We are the ones who have accepted the sacrifice. Glory be to God. Now, I want you to look, look a little further here. Look a little further with me. Bear with me on this because there's an important point I want to get to that I want you to embrace. Starting here in verse 15, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that, he had said before, this is important, and this is where we must recognize, where we must accept what we must bring back to the forefront in our relationship. This is the covenant 
that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. My friends, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's not just a, a promise to try and do better. It's not a recognition of, hey, look at me, I joined a club. No, very simply, my friends, this is a covenant relationship. And notice, it is not us who established that covenant. It is not from us to God, but from God to us. He says, this is the covenant that I will make with them. That God himself has pledged this covenant relationship. You don't get to break a covenant. You did not make that covenant. God made that covenant. And when you have accepted Him as your Redeemer, you enter into that blood covenant. And just because you're having a bad day doesn't mean that you're going to lose your salvation. If you are truly saved and redeemed, your salvation is secure. But that requires the obedience, my friends, of what we have been talking about previously in this series. That requires us to be faithful in all that God has commanded us to do. Put your hand to the plow and do not look back. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, thy mind, thy might, and thy soul. Put action to your Christianity. Allow your faith to be broadened. Allow that plow to go deeper into your fields, O oh God. Allow it that why we would give you the glory and honor. My friends, my friends, remember that the scepter of righteousness is the scepter of the kingdom of God. We as individuals must live by that righteousness. Why? Because our lives are not our own. We are bought with a price. That price was the shed blood of Jesus, the Messiah. So I challenge you today, consider the cost. What are you doing in your walk with Jesus Christ? Are you displaying the actions and the love of the gospel to all around? If not, fall upon your knees and repent and serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I want to thank you for listening today. Thank you for tuning in to Driven to the Cross as part of Christ Covenant Church here in McAllen, Texas. I hope and I challenge you to give application to the things in which we have spoken about, what you have heard. I challenge you to support this ministry, that we can continue to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Come join us. Check us out on Facebook, Christ Covenant McAllen. Our website, ChristCovenantMcAllen.org. Drop us a line. Send us an email. We'll be happy to get back to you. Tune in, 11 o'clock, Sunday morning. You can... Find us there on YouTube, Christ Covenant McAllen, Facebook at Christ Covenant McAllen, or go to our, our links on our, on our website and you'll find us there.
Thank you again for tuning in to Driven to the Cross radio broadcast. I'm Dr. Alfred Fisher. Be blessed, be encouraged, and may God bless your soul.